on the table today? Well, on the table, we are talking about grief and recovery. We know that, uh, especially in this time, this pandemic, you know, we're still dealing with this pandemic. There's a lot of grief that's going on. A lot of people have died. A lot of people have lost uh, job, income, displaced. And so we want to talk about grief, but also we want to talk about recovery. How can we recover? How can we deal with grief in a productive and effective manner? Yes, yes, yes. And we are just so excited to have with us two um, experts. I'm going to put it that way. Two experts with us. Uh, two experts that um, we are uh, looking forward to hearing as we delve into it. We are glad to have with us Dr. Magdana. I think she rather goes by Dana. So Dr. Dana Philocent. Philocent is here with us and um, Elder Carl Ricketts is here with us, and you'll hear more about them as we introduce them, but we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to bring them on so we can get right into this discussion. Dr. Henry, pray for us. All right, let's pray. Father God, blessing. It's a blessing to be on this platform, and we ask God again that this topic that we're going to discuss will uh, be impactful and that we could utilize some of the principles that we'll be talking about today so that we can have a life that will be able to deal with the pressures and stressors that come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's bring our guest on. There we are, Dr. Dana and Elder Carl. Welcome to Pastors Roundtable. We're just Thank so glad you. that you're here. Good to be here. Good to be here. Wonderful, like wonderful, wonderful. Awesome. Well, listen, there's, so, go ahead. There's, I was going to say there's something that our one of our co-hosts always, you know, they always do. They say we, we want to give you just a few minutes, few seconds, actually, to just kind of tell us a little bit about you. Um, you know, we have some, uh, uh, well, I don't know, Sister Dr. Data, you may be a preacher, too. <laughs> I've known you for a little bit. So so we want, we want to give you, <laughs> we want to give you all about a 30, 30.5 seconds or so just to introduce yourself um, and tell us a little bit about you because I know we didn't do justice. You know, you have a big resume, both of you. And so you may want to share with us a little bit what, what you do. We're going to have the lady go first. Dr. Dana, tell us a little bit about you. You know, truly, I've been on this ride. The Lord's been taking me places and doing things with me uh, as I have allowed him to. And that's what I've been about, really. Uh, and as a result, I have been in the field of psychology, mental health for 21 years as a social worker, as a psychologist, as I guess I did uh, some teaching as well as a, a professor. Um, I just love being in the service of God. I'm a missionary. Amen. That's what I am. So um, right now, currently, I have a, a, a nonprofit. We have a profit as well that deals with mental health, providing individuals with hope, uh, trauma. So my ministry, our ministry is called Mind Care, uh, dealing with trauma and uh, the things and components that's involved in that showing people that you know god is able to heal anything literally and i've seen it with my own eyes using yes. actually so that's my little, little spill on that uh mindcare.us if you want to visit our website so amen excellent amen excellent. Amen. amen all right all right preacher <laughs> oh man listen <laughs> this, is the, this is the preacher first off it's a pleasure dr dana to be here with you dr uh bishop wade and also bishop uh, uh henry it's a pleasure to be here with you all 
Uh, I'm coming from the uh, the golden state of California, uh, where I have the <laughs> yes, privilege sir. of serving as a director of chaplain services uh, at Loma Linda University Health. Uh, it's just a privilege to be here to share uh, and to learn. And uh, God is blessed. Uh, I, I, I have a wonderful family. Um, and uh, Dr. Dana says she's a, a missionary. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to go to Cuba uh, to, to do some mission work over there, um, hoping to go to Africa very soon. So we'll see how, how that turns out. But uh, we, we're just uh, happy to do the Lord's work in this part of his vineyard. And uh, just a, a great opportunity to be here with you all and to share uh, to our larger faith community. Uh, you all are doing a great job. Awesome, awesome, Amen. excellent, excellent. I want I want us to know that we want to thank um, our our technical uh, productions associate in the back. TJ, he's he's moving around the uh, tech stuff for us today, and so we thank him. And uh, our our co-host, uh, Pastor Paul, is in the chat, so he's here with us. Uh, even though he's in the chat, he's here with us, yeah. and he's gonna he's gonna help out from that point. So we want to get right into it. And so, Dr. Henry, you have the first question. Lead us down this very relevant discussion about what's happening to a lot of families and individuals today. All right, all right. Well, listen. Before I have a question here, but I just want to start off. What is grief? Let's just start off with that. What is grief? Give us a definition, a working definition of grief. Well, it's 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 simply uh, deep sadness uh, caused, uh, as Miriam Webster would put it, deep sadness caused by um, someone's loss, or it could actually be of any loss. And um, uh, it is, as one scholar put it, um, it's the other side of love. Uh, I love I love that mm. definition. Um, and uh, we we actually had a, a chance to talk with uh, that scholar a few weeks ago. And, and, and really what it is, is when you, when you lose someone or something that you've had a long relationship with, um, someone who is near and dear to you, or um, a thing um, that you are accustomed to, whether it be a job or um, a certain way of being or living, um, and when that is gone, and when that's lost, um, uh, your memories um, uh, are, are triggered. You begin to recall, you begin to reflect, you begin to feel, but you also hurt because the loss has taken place um, and what you had is no more. And so um, and it, it's a deep sadness that is caused uh, by loss. Wow, wow. Dr. Dana? That's exactly it. Uh, it's a, a loss where you're trying to figure things out as a result. So you're trying to readjust your mind because you so desired that situation or that thing. Um, I've had individuals that were grieving from a loss of the concept that they can't have children and just coming to terms with accepting certain things of, of, of that once so desired or so hoped for uh, can cause individuals to go into grief as well. And I know grief is affecting a lot of people, you know, especially, you know, we always go back to COVID, right? Some people are just tired of hearing about COVID, right? When is this just going to go away you know this argument between you know vaccination and people don't want to get vac vaccinated and you know this whole covid thing is just looming still around us but but in covid this covid period what has been um your experience dealing with people who 
have grief? I mean, are the numbers kind of going up? Have you seen more people uh, that are dealing with grief now and uh, than, than before COVID? Because both of you all have been, you know, dealing with uh, individuals with grief for a long time. So during this COVID time, have you seen the numbers go up, seen it go down? What is your experience with that? I guess I can answer that one too. So no doubt, of course, COVID impacts impacted everyone, of course. And uh, oftentimes, I think we focus on the, uh, those who are vulnerable physically, but there is such mm-hmm. a thing as being vulnerable mentally and spiritually as well. So before going into COVID, there were people who were not ready spiritually to, for the impact that COVID was going to have, and likewise mentally. So when we talk about the physical, you know, they might have had some predisposed, you know, condition or health condition. But likewise, there were some individuals that were already almost, there was some seed of various mental health thing going on with them. And so COVID, Mm. what COVID did, it magnified a lot of things for people. So grieving was coming in with now fear. So, or Mm. So when you have fear of, let's say you have an an individual that died, you're now dealing with the fear of your own, well, am I going to die? Or are other people going to die? Or am I going to lose other things? So that fear compounded a lot of things for people during COVID. So again, fear uh, and, um, you know, distress and grief overwhelms the system and can actually trigger things like anxiety or, you know, chronic depression or epotic situations or even addictions. And so, you know, it's a good thing that we need to understand that when we're talking about grief, we're not only talking about one aspect of one's mind, we're talking about various components. I remember reading mm-hmm. a from uh, that says grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distrust, all tend to break down the life forces and invite decay and death. So it's a, wow. a compounding of things. And then she also says that courage, hope, faith, sympathy, love promotes or prolongs life as well. So there's the opposite end of kind of of things to keep in mind. Um, Another thing to talk about the numbers, looking at the CDC uh, statistics when they're, you know, they're constantly doing uh, stats on fear and anxiety and and where people are, are at. Before COVID, January to about June 2019, uh, that rate was about 11%. So those are individuals that said in the United States dealing with symptoms of anxiety, of fear, and those kinds of grief and so forth. Now, after and during COVID, even now, December of 2020, that number jumped to 47%. Wow. Okay. This is saying that almost half of America is currently dealing with situations revolving around anxiety or fear or grieving or so forth. Um, but I think as Christian, we're not to be surprised because I remember reading in Luke 21, 26, that says men's heart will fail them for fear for the things that they <laughs> So we shouldn't be surprised of what's to come. So I guess to answer the question that you're really asking of, um, have we, what are we dealing with now? We're not only dealing with grief by itself. We're now having to, uh, you know, help individuals that are dealing with grief, but that's compassionate with fear that's compounded with distress you know so when you have all of those components involved um you know the Bible fear the opposite of fear i think it's carl uh, uh brother carl just mentioned as well is actually love you know and so you can't have those two things in the same place and so but at the same time too love is bound with sound mind 
with judge, uh, with, with uh, truth. Um, I mean, there's a Bible quote that says that as well. For God has not given the spirit of fear, but of power of love in a sound mind, right? Come on. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Opposite of fear is love and perfect love. You better preach this day. Better preach. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta have all those things and components. So when we talk about fear, when we talk about grief, we gotta understand that there's an opposite that we can have a sound mind and we can't also have love at the same time. Well, you know, it can't this be the same. Powerful. <laughs> yeah, powerful, powerful. Let me. I just want to say this. You know, uh, Doctor Dana um, used to used to be at my church for a little bit, a little you know, back in the day. And so, let me tell you something. Wonderful woman of God. Um, by the way, I, I showed your picture to my children. Right? She was like, "Oh, I remember." <laughs> so, so we praise God for your ministry. Powerful. I love it. I love it. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Ricketts. I mean, you're dealing with the, a population. You're there in the hospital setting, and my people are already, you know, going through some type of, I, you know, grief there. But this COVID thing, tell us a little bit about your experience dealing with that target of population, those patients. Yes, Dr. Dana uh, uh, hit on some major points that you can't just look at grief in isolation and and just say, okay, well, uh, this is grief on a normal. Uh, scale. Um, there, there are so many complexities due to the COVID-19 uh, global pandemic. And as we're looking at these complexities, uh, you're witnessing families that have to go through points of bereavement, um, end of life situations with their family members, albeit in disconnected situations, uh, disconnected relationships, um, because of protocols that are in place. Families have not been able to be with their loved ones in the hospital. So now you're looking at grief. You're looking at uh, uh, grief that is taking place uh, even before the, the, the person, their loved one has passed away. And in the midst of that grief, you're not able to be with your loved one in their room. Uh, you're looking on the outside. If, if you're allowed to even be on the outside, and then you might even be outside of the hospital. And so um, that has been a major challenge, just the disconnection uh, that has been happening in this season. So now you're looking at um, COVID-19, you're looking at grief, uh, you're looking at uh, 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 employee staff uh, that witness yes. loss. Um, and even as you're talking about trauma, um, uh, many people, when they're in the midst of the of the uh, of the pandemic, and or if I were to use an analogy, in the, in the in the heat of the battle, um, you don't really have time to really take stock or note of trauma that is happening. Um, the trauma comes after, um, and it, and and later down the road, you start to feel the effects of what you have really gone through. You start to really pause and reflect. I went through that. Um, you start to to cry. You start to to, to pause and think of the lives that have been lost. Um, when you're in the midst of it, my family, we lost about um, double digit, uh, I think anywhere from now uh, 15 to 18 uh, family members in the last two years. And uh, when you're going through it, um, you, you don't even know what to do. And, and, and even in those situations, um, because you're trying to help caregivers, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you're trying to help patients and you're also trying to organize caregivers um, so that they can be safe. Um, I was unable to even go to my grandmother's funeral. My wife was unable to go to her grandmother's funeral. 
And so we're watching these memorial services online. And if you now take our experience and then try to extrapolate that to thousands, millions of people um, who have gone through similar situations where they're going through grief, they're unable to touch their loved one. They're unable to be in, in close proximity with their loved one. Those things hurt. Um, and, and as we go through this, this pandemic, uh, we've seen uh, people are becoming more connected with self-care. Um, they're becoming uh, more aware of their own needs. Um, I love how Dr. Dana talked about uh, the Bible because we can, we can learn lessons from Jesus. Um, yes. When we look at Jesus, um, and one of the, the most powerful stories for me has become my personal mission statement. It is so simple. It is see, feel, heal. Um, in Matthew 14, 14, Christ, um, they said he steps onto the shore. He sees the crowd, feels compassion for the crowd, then heals the crowd. But before that, before that, he received news that his cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered. And when he heard of his, of his cousin being murdered, Jesus said to disciples, let us come aside for oligos for a while. They come aside for a while. And when they come aside for a while, Jesus in this instance is showing us the importance of self-care. He's saying, before I go to do ministry, before I keep moving forward, before I keep pressing, I've got to take care of myself. Not only do I need to take care of myself, my community has to take care of themselves. All my disciple crew, all my people in my circle, we got to come aside for a little bit. And if we don't take the time to care for ourselves, we will not be equipped, we will not be empowered, we will not be enabled to care for others. So because he cares for himself, he then can see the crowd. He, he can see their value, he can feel compassion for their stories, and he can tangibly heal the brokenness that he witnesses because he practiced self-care. Self-care is so in need now. We wow. need um, to be able to care for others. And, and I think as we're becoming more aware of this, as we, we go through the dog days of this pandemic, um, we, we are noticing that if we don't get our minds right, as Dr. Dana pointed out, if we don't get our physical right, if we don't get our emotional states right, uh, we're going to be challenged to really give good care to others. Wow, 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 wow. wow. You, you, you tapped on something there. I wanted to, I want to kind of back up a little bit. Because one of the one of the misnomers is that grief only is dealt with when we have a death. Whereas I think COVID showed us that there are other things that we experience grief with. That you know is so. Could you could you expand on that a little bit, uh, Dr. Dana, in terms of if if all I'm thinking about is I'm only dealing with grief when I have someone who died is. Help, help me understand really what grief is about other than just the definition, because I can define it based on the loss of a loved one, but there are other things that bring about grief. Can, can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Even loss of a job can create some kind of grief. You know, there are people who've gone through their life, you know, aiming at something, some kind of career or even the inspiration of a desire to do certain things. What if God shuts that door? What do you do then? There's that moment in time where you have to get to the point to you, you just accept what life's throw at you, but understanding that God's plan will take you know place no matter what happens. So it's that process of allowing your mind to accept that which is coming, that which has come, 
still in mind understanding that God's plan is taking place. So once you start understanding, once you start accepting it, that that grieving process, as you may, it, it becomes a, a, a more um, a welcome process. It's not easy. We're not talking about the easiness of it. There's no easy way of grieving. It's, a, it's mm. going through the cross experience, as you may, while you're still alive. So it's, it's accepting God's plan. It's accepting what's happening. It's also at the same time too preparing yourself for what is there, what's to come. Um, your health is important. What are you doing to make sure that your health is important? What are you doing that your family's wealth, you know, in situations are also taking place? If you're going through a dying process, are you taking sure, making sure that things are in line? So all of those components are the process in which one, all of us at some point will mm-hmm. have to accept. So when a door closes, not trying to force yourself in, but accepting that that door is closed and see what other doors open. Wow. So that's, that's the process of grieving. Okay, okay. No, go ahead. I I love how Dr. Dana pointed that out. You know, uh, grief is not just with the loss of life. Um, Many people have lost jobs um, in this season, and then it's the loss of relationships. Um, And and, and so people are alive, but you're no longer able to be near and work with and be around communities. Children, um, I just had an opportunity uh, the other day to go on a run with uh, San Bernardino Unified um, District. Um, there are many students uh, because of the pandemic who are not able to go to school like they used to. Um, there are challenges. And so they, uh, we, we, we just had an operation called Operation Student Recovery, where we went to houses and knocked on doors and said, hey, how can we, how can we uh, encourage um, these children to 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 get back in class and school and everything of that nature, but uh, kids desire to go to school, but there's fear out there um, because mm-hmm. parents are wondering, yeah. hey, what will happen to my child? Um, so children have lost their friends or they're not able to be in close proximity with their friends. Parents um, are not going through normal cycles potentially because of job loss, um, and so uh, that impacts income, that impacts wealth. And we do know that when we're talking about healthcare disparities, which I'm studying right now in my in my doctorate, um, you're you're looking at income, wealth. These are major uh, factors that impact health. And so, mm-hmm. when you've lost income, you've lost wealth, um, and the pandemic has been shown to hit those who are minorities, um, black and brown individuals, many people who are in the service areas, um, who have to be in close proximity with people every day. Um, things have totally um, uh, flipped the economy, if you will. And so um, uh, right now, a lot of people are cautious. A lot of people are concerned. You see ads on TV every day. People are giving out jobs. And right mm-hmm. now, it's very hard. For, many people don't necessarily want to take jobs. Um, at safety is a, is a, is a piece. Um, the support that they're already receiving from the government is another factor, uh, but COVID has totally changed a lot of things, and uh, wow. and so loss of relationships, loss of normalcy, um, uh, can cause grief. I want to add one more component to what you just said. Too, there might be individuals who are going through a divorce, or 
or who are in a divorce. That's another grieving process. That's a huge component where you have made that life commitment and now it's broken. How do I get back to the norm? So the grieving process, again, is not just death. However, we can we can see it uh, in that term, of course, um, but it also includes anything that we so wish and desired in life that now the doors are closing or you're having to make a change in the, the way and the path that you were once going. Wow, wow, thank you so much. So, so, so my question really is this, um, is grief something uh, we should avoid or should we process through it? What, is, there, is there such a thing as healthy grieving or, or, or is it really that, that snot nose blowing dirt in the ground kind of experience when you're walking through grief? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer on the basis of death, okay? Because I think there are, of course, individuals that seize this title of grief, and they say, "Well, you know, we're not they're not talking about the grief that I'm had dealing with." So, you know, death is a strange thing, right? So, there's a, emotions that come with it that's based on one's culture, one's prior experiences, their trauma that they might have experienced or are experiencing the pain that they're having, you know. And so, with that strange emotions might also uh, come, but they're not sure. Do I cry? Do I scream? Do I, you know, what do I do and what is normal? So we want to make sure that we understand that the Bible actually tells us that death is not something that we were supposed to experience. And so because mm. we to experience it, uh, then it, it, it causes such pain that we can't even describe. Okay. Um, I remember uh, there was a, a client that mentioned, and I think that's a perfect pictures for, for us to understand what they're trying to explain in terms of the emotions. It's like when they lost an arm, if you lost an arm or you lost a leg, now you have to try to figure out how to adjust, how to maneuver yourself around with this one arm. Let's say you were right-handed and your right hand is gone. It makes it even you know 10 times harder. Not that you can't live on without the limbs, but it makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate your way around. Um, therefore, it's not something that we can't avoid. You cannot avoid grief. You, you can try, but your mind still is always trying to figure out, what do you want me to do with this? And so if you ignore mm. it, then that's when the depression and the anxiety and all sorts of things come in because the mind's like, this thing is still in my mind. I need to do something with it. I need you to react. And if you're not reacting, then this is what I'm going to do. So um, there's another spirit of prophecy quote that I read in a ministry of healing that, that kind of remind us of, you know, grief of, and how we should see it. It says, we are not to let the future with its hard problem, its unsatisfying prospect, make our heart uh, faint, our knees tremble, our hands hang down. Um, instead, whatever the situation, uh, we need to make sure that we understand that he knows our perplexity. We, we are to have a sure counselor, whatever our sorrow, bereavement, or loneliness, we have to remember that we have a sympathizing friend. So there is that process that God wants to take you through. Um, there is such There is such a thing as, of course, a healthy uh, grieving and that process includes where one is actually looking at let's say they have a, a, a loss of a loved one they're looking at their life how did that person live how did that person life impact me not their death oftentimes uh for example dealing with covid oh you know they die of covid whatever how many years that they live whether they live three or five years whether they live 75 years if we're focusing on just that one point that point of death that's what brings the sorrow down, right? So we have to remember that, you know, 
of course, focusing on the life of the individual actually helps throughout the process as well. Support mm. factor person have a support system um, and if they don't have a support system do they understand that the bible talks about how god is near the brokenhearted you know so all of those things help us to see a healthy way of thinking than just kind of going through life without exploring uh, exploring what do i do now that i am in grief mm, that, i like it dr dr data you 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 giving so many gems and nuggets um i don't <laughs> even know if i if I have time to, to say a word, man, I'm, I'm saying beautiful stuff. I mean, and the, the way she just put that out there, you know, God is near the brokenhearted. Um, the Bible even says that uh, God is a man of sorrow acquainted with our grief. And, and if you if you can just picture the fact that God is willing to walk with you in your grief, he doesn't want you to ignore it. He doesn't want you to hide it. He doesn't want you to 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 just um, pacify. He doesn't want people to pacify your your reality. And and he says, listen, I know your stuff. I want to walk with you through your stuff. You know, um, going through grief is important. Um, emoting the feelings that you have, they're necessary. Um, you are a a being who has who has experienced, as Dr. Dana pointed. You've experienced life, and with that life has come experiences, has come memories, have come um, uh, milestones, have come achievements, have come deep relationships. And when mm. those things go away, your mind is saying, this is, this is tragic. Um, when we had the Pulse shooting in 2016, there were yeah. family members who were disconnected from their loved ones, their life had been taken instantly. Grief had set in. Um, when, you, when you think of all of the tragedies that have been taking place in this country, um, and, and, and this is the, the unique piece of what we're going through now, those mm -hmm. tragedies were instant. Now we're going through a pandemic that is continuous. We don't know if it's stopping. We don't know if it's growing. We don't know what's happening. It's, there seems to be so much unknown. And now you're trying to process um, the, the death. I'm processing the death of my grandmother, the death of my other grandmother. And I'm trying to uh, understand how do I make it through this time? This is a good time to, to really seek therapy. Um, mm -hmm. I know that sometimes people don't want to talk about it. It's a good way to process what you're going through. Why do I say that? Sometimes we don't even know we're going through grief. When I lost my mother, I didn't even know what was happening to me. I was like, why do I feel this way? Why am I crying? Why am I in my room? Why do I have the shades closed? Why am I feeling this way? And if you don't know that you're going through one of those stages, such as depression, which is a natural um, response to loss, especially loss of a loved one, if you don't even know what to call it, if you don't even know how to, how to label it, um, mm -hmm. It is good to be in community. Um, it was because I was in community, I mm. was able to talk with someone who knew what I was going through. And because I shared what I was going through, that person then was able to say, I think you might need to talk to a therapist. And so what we need is community, especially when we're going through grief. What we need is the ability to process healthy um, in a healthy manner with those who care about our well-being um god has given us the gift of resiliency which is the gift of bounce back 
um, we can bounce back from the, the hurts and the pains and the traumas that we've gone through. But if we don't process what we've been through, it becomes more challenging to bounce back. Well, listen, you, you mentioned something there. You mentioned that there's a place for therapy. What if I say, listen, I'm a part of a church. I can pray my way through these things. I don't need to go to counseling. I could just pray my way and Jesus can give me the answer. I don't need to tell anybody my problems. Come on. Listen, what would listen, you say man, to that individual? Preacher, I thought, I, I, I'm just saying, I thought I could praise and preach and, and dance my way through it. I thought I could. Yeah. And um, here's the challenge. There are people who know more about what's happening with you than you do. Mercy. And and it and it doesn't take it doesn't take anything away from my mental uh, aptitude capacity. Um, I'm skilled in what I'm skilled in. I know what I know. Um, but there are people who are trained, who yes. know how to help you through everything that you've gone through. They can look at various aspects of your life, and they can look at this is the challenge, this is the problem, and then they have already within their banks solutions, things, processes that can help you to recover. Dr. Dana probably knows more about this than I do. I'm, I'm going to pass it. I'm going to pass. See, I, I talk about people that have skills. I'm going to pass the ball to her. Okay. So here's the thing. I don't believe that everyone needs to go to counseling and I'll just be very honest with that. Here's the reason why there are some people who absolutely know how to deal with an unhealthy way. Now there are times that our minds can get stuck to the point that we don't know what to do. And so it can bring about the depression that impacts us on a physical level or on our day-to-day -day level, on our social mm. skills. Or, you know, when you start to get to that point where it's a dark place and you have a hard time, and I know where, where you have a hard time picking up your Bible. I, I, I know, I understand that whole depression aspect of things. There are times that we do need to call a brother, to call a sister, to call, hey, I need help, go seek it out. But there are some people who have learned the, the steps, like we're going to be talking about, that can actually implement the steps, that can uh, identify ways to go about um, adjusting their life to go through it in such a way that, you know, I, I, they're making it. They're making it. They can do it. That Now, with that said, there are some who just can't imply or, you know, put the application on the grieving process alone. I was going to say, um, I, I agree with your point. If you've been through the process and you've healed going through the process, if you've experienced healing, when you have to go through another uh, instance where grief comes, it does, it can help you, um, especially when you know the strategies. But for those who are, are, um, who are experiencing loss for the first time, it could be a, a, a registered nurse, um, who is feeling experiencing loss of a patient for the first time. It could be uh, a church member who's lost their parents. First time they've ever lost anyone for the first time. There are many, there are many moments when those individuals don't have the tools, they don't have the skills. Um, and so uh, it, therapy can be helpful in those moments. I think for those who have gone through a loss before, not saying that therapy is not important, I think it still is, but um, I found even in my life, those tools that I've learned, the experience that I've gone through, they've helped me to deal with the, the, the most recent loss. Um, because of the loss of my mom, I feel like 
I was more equipped to handle the loss of my grandmother. Um, two different situations, um, but I knew what to expect. I knew what was coming. I knew how important it was to be around people. I knew how important it was to be in my church. Um, I knew how important it was to, to not be isolated. And so uh, those are some of the things that um, uh, I would agree with you on that, uh, Dr. Dana. Absolutely. So yeah, you got to uh, apply the tools in your life to be able to um, to see just how healing is possible. Um, sounds good. So, I think. so, so, so wait, but, 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 so, so as you were sharing there, um, the thought came about even in our churches or even in our, our communities where we feel that once we make a decision to go get help, we tend to become, um, stigmatized that, that something is really wrong with us or that, um, we're not good enough or we're not spiritual enough. Uh, to get, you know, to, to, to manage through what we're dealing with. Uh, I heard a preacher share this morning or this afternoon um, that uh, that makes us even more crazy. C could, you, could you encourage our, our viewers as to the importance of, of seeking help? So I think the idea that we have to understand is help is often given to us by God in different manners, right? And so just the same thing too, the brain is an organ that, that mm -hmm. contains the mind, just like the heart. If you if you need some, you know, assistance physically, you're gonna go to a cardiologist if you have to. And that there's there's limbs and everything that you know you know exactly who to go to. It's the same concept. I think the stigma behind mental health is number one, we, we're not educated on mental health too many times. So we don't know the, the ways to go about it. Just like physical health, there are things that we can do physically to help ourselves, but because we're not, we're not, you know, either uh, living that lifestyle that we should, we're not implying the things, the tools that we should, therefore we need to have a physician. Likewise, know the tools for mental health. When you're when you're down and you know depressed and so forth and so on, you know if you don't know those tools, if you haven't learned those tools, it is absolutely okay because God is making provision in different ways for different people. Yes, I went to school and I'm learning these things, but I think I'm learning more the more I talk to people, the more I'm reading, the more I'm educating myself on how it is that Spirit of Prophecy talks about mental health, how it is that the Bible talks about mental health, so that I can be able to share. Now you can do the same thing too. You can go to school, you can get your book you can get your bible and study it out but sometimes you need it right now you need it right then you know so you, so we're kind of like that right then and there people that should try to lead you into the right direction so you can study it for yourself i mean what, what i do is i really try to show people hey this is what spirit prophets talks about let's try and implement those things this is what the bible talks about this is what science talks about so when you put those things to perspective it is mm. truly about education if you're educated enough good for you. You don't need it. Share it. Share it with others so we can continue passing it on. But until then, humble yourself, either educate yourself or go get help. Because as the mind is, the body follows. And truly, you will be impacted physically if you don't deal with the mind. The mind and the body are so connected. The, 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 when you're trying to separate it, trying to you know wait till you get physically uh, ill to deal with it, nine to the every disease actually starts in the mind. I mean, those little things, if you knew, if you dealt with the mind aspect first, then you would need to get to that point where your heart is impacted or your lungs are impacted. You can't breathe. And, you know, you had to get someone help and, you know, anxiety attack as it were, but it's feeling in your chest. So address the issue so that you can actually get the help. 
educate yourself so that you can imply the help. And if you can't do that, do get help. Help have someone walk alongside with you. And as my brother mentioned, we are a community of people and the Lord has equipped us so that we can share. And that's all it's about, really. You know, if you feel any such way, you just miseducated, misguided. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Hey, this this is powerful stuff. And I like, you know, you brought in a book, Ministry. I think you mentioned Ministry of Healing. Oh my goodness. What a powerful book. Yes, a powerful book, man, to help us through these times. That's wonderful. But we also talked about, you talked about positive grieving in a sense. And so there's these stages. I mean, you know, and I know the literature kind of goes back and forth. I think before it used to say that um, you have to go through all the stages, you know, in a linear order. But now it says, no, you don't have to do it. Can you talk to us a little about these stages? These stages of grief, whether it's seven or five, or talk to us about that. You know, um, it, it's just very interesting when you when you talk about these stages. Um, you know, probably, and, and I think it was uh, one D. She Smith um, put it in there. She said, "If you're falling into uh, depression, it's time to get help." And um, I, I really appreciate uh, that point in the chat. Um, the, the the stage of depression is probably one of the most challenging stages. Um, you know, you have denial, you have anger, bargaining, uh, depression, acceptance, um, and and the state of depression. When you get into that stage, um, it can hold you uh, probably longer than you want to be there. Um, and unless you have the tools to get out, um, and I and I think I, I thank Dr. Dana for pointing out. Uh, we don't have to look at this as only a man-made science uh, approach. Um, we we can start off with the Holy Ghost. And um, I remember when I, I was going through uh, uh, depression be- because of the loss of my mom. I think it's important to note that there's a difference uh, between, uh, we're talking uh, uh, about going through depression because of grief, and there's a difference between um, diagnosed depression, um, which I leave to the doctors and the specialists. But when you're going through this depression due to a loss, um, I, I, I did not want to go to church. And I remember my sister, I was, I was keeping her behind from going to church. And I was late getting ready for church. This was before I became a pastor. So, so don't, don't, don't put this on me. I, I was in seminary. I was in seminary. I was in seminary. I was in seminary. And um, uh, we were on a break. And, and I said, man, let, let's go. We get to the church. Uh, church is packed. We just get a seat on the balcony. Uh, they have two seats left. My sister and I sit down and the preacher says these words. And and I've gone back and since thanked this preacher for preaching this message. He was wrapping up the sermon. That's how late I got there because of what I was going through. Wrapping up the sermon and the preacher said, if you ask for the Holy Ghost, uh, God will not hold back the Holy Ghost. Uh, I mean, God gives the Holy Ghost liberally and he will help you with whatever you need. And I prayed at that moment, Holy Ghost, I need you to help me to focus so that I can finish my uh, my master's degree, so that I can make it through this seminary experience, um, so that, Lord, I can do whatever you need me to do. I prayed that prayer, came back to a meeting with the dean of the university, um, of, of, of the um, Andrews uh, Theological Seminary. They wanted me to take some time off. And I told them, I just prayed and asked for the Holy Ghost to help me. Um, I asked the Holy Ghost to help me through this situation. Man, do you know that my grades started to turn around? Um, I started to improve focus, clarity, um, because I asked the Holy Ghost for help. 
But when you're in depression, you need the Holy Spirit. You, I believe you need therapy. You need community. Um, all of these things help you. Um, now, getting to your question, the stages, I believe that you yeah. can, it's not as, as straight as it used to be in terms of you have to go through each stage, then you go right. to progress to the next stage. I believe you can hit at any moment, depending on your circumstance or your situation, um, such as if you've been through uh, these stages before, um, I can give an example of losing my grandmothers. Not that I was happy about it. Um, I was I was sad about it. Um, but I think I was uh, able to get to the point of acceptance sooner, knowing my in my theology, my eschatology, I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to the day where I'll see them again because of the lives that they've lived. And so um, I, I, I do think that when it comes to these stages, um, uh, we need to be mindful of them. Uh, but I do believe depression out of these five stages uh, can be one of the trickiest mm -hmm. um, where we, we need to pay close attention to. Dr. Dana, can you talk to us a little bit about these stages, especially this this bargaining stage? You know, well, kinda... <laughs> yeah. So let me let me give you the theory behind the the stages to agree. Um, it was created by this lady by the name of Elizabeth um, Kubler Ross. You guys all know her. Okay. So she's a psychiatrist, and in 1990, she was doing an observation of, of I guess patients that were um, in the in life stage, and she noticed all of those things that were happening to them, and so she categorized. Them and then created that. Now, rightly so, they probably experienced those things. And she never made it to be a script that everyone should follow. And this is the stage that you're going to go through. Um, so we have to keep that in mind and be mindful that not everyone go through those stages. And yes, there are things like that's not even listed in the, the, the stages like grief or, or, or rather regret. You know, some people might feel a sense of regret that they missed out on opportunities to say certain things or feeling um, helplessness, like they can't change the situation um, or even guilt because they didn't say something before and now they missed the opportunity or anger, mm -hmm. you know, the sadness. So there might be other components that's involved, even physical components. You had mm. mentioned Paul, about how, you know, you didn't feel like getting up. The, the, the difficulty sleeping or don't want to go anyplace or difficulty focusing. That's another avenue. So you have to know how you were before so that you can make the com of how you are after or during the grieving. And that's how mm -hmm. you identify for yourself. And maybe the Lord can be trying to reach you through the stage that he's put you in. Um, I think of Elijah. And I know he did, He was going through a grieving stage himself. You know, he went and hid in the rocks and everything else in between. So again, um, is it Elijah, Elijah, you, you know what I'm talking about, pastors. So yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he was going through his own grieving process and the Lord knew exactly, you know what, at this time I need to feed you. And just, I love how the brother just shared how the Lord fed him right in the church and, and the Holy Spirit, you, know, you asked for it and God gave it to you. So you have to understand where you are, where you were before, whether it be spiritually, physically, or mentally. And so you can make mm -hmm. the comparison for yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually, even socially as well. So those are the things that we have to consider. I want to add one other piece to this component because, um, you know, we're sometimes tend to judge people because they may not be going through the same things or experience the same things as well as we did if we had a situation similar. Um, I remember there was an individual that was rejoicing after the, lo the, 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 the loss of a loved one. And people just couldn't understand and, you know, like, what's wrong? And started judging. For that individual, 
they had such an understanding of number one, death, and that person was going through such uh, pain that they were witnessing on a day in, day out for so long. They were praying wow. the Lord would answer that. And so that was a prayer answer. And then um, and then I, I told that individual, you know, this is this is exactly I can see how you can um, put Psalms one one sixteen verse fifteen to that. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, you know? And so again, we can't judge people based on their grieving. It is such an individual experience and God is trying to reach us all differently. And sometimes, yes, it might be similar, but you know, when we hear different stages, when we hear that there are theories, exactly what that is, it's a theory. It may Mm -hmm may not apply. So that's the way that I see the process and the theory. So the denial stage, yes, some individuals can go through the denial stage where they just don't want to see it as it is. Um, but as, as we've mentioned before, you know, the, the sooner you're to recognize the closing of a door and the opening of a door can become much clearer, you know, and God, you're now opening the, the way for God to actually speak to your heart, to minister to your heart. As you wow. Know, I, I, I love to add, whew, I, I love to add to what Dr. Dana just hit on there. A, after I give two shout outs, um, uh, Elder Anslam, I see you, my brother. I see you, my brother. That guy helped. Uh, he took me to the seminary, turned to my application. So I love that brother. <laughs> and, uh, and my man from Flatbush, uh, Flatbush SDA forever, man. You got it. Uh, Michael, I see you. Uh, but but coming with Dr. Dana, following up on her point, you know, uh, the wisest man that ever lived, you know, he says, man, uh, you can learn a lot in the house of mourning. Um, you can learn mm. so much in this house. If you would take time to just sit in this house, he makes a, 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 a few key points in there. He says better is the day of one's death than it is than the day of one's birth. Um, he says, uh, it's better to go to the house of mourning than it is to go to the house of feasting. And he even makes the point that in, in grief, um, uh, though your face may be sad, your heart can be happy. And I think when you look at these key points from the wisest man that ever lived, these, these gems can help us through the grieving process. We mm-hmm. may not have answers to the questions as to why. Why did my loved one go? Um, I, I may be in, in, in the valley of trying to even deny that I've lost a loved one. But the wisest man that's ever lived says, hey, walk in this house. Spend some time in this house. Be in this house. Um, God is trying to get you to see the value of the life that was lived. And, and I, I agree with what Dr. Dana pointed out. Um, many people are going to be at different levels at the loss of life. When someone passes, you may have people who are totally broken. You may have people who are rejoicing. Um, And and I think what we have to do in this house of mourning is to understand that everyone is going to be at various places. We have to learn how to to, uh, have the sense of community, knowing that no one person's grief is greater than another person's grief. And that is a mm-hmm. challenge um, uh, with some of my own people, or with some of my own hue. I know we go through that uh, sometimes. Um, well, that was my daughter. Um, well, that was that was my son. Well, that was my brother. Well, that was my cousin. Um, and I think in these moments, we have got to learn to respect one another's grief and to mm-hmm. understand that in this house of mourning, God is trying to pour his grace and restoration and, and healing to everyone. And so uh, I I think if we spend some time on that and focus on the life that was lived, because as he makes his final point, he says, 
Um, this is the end of every man. We all gonna come to this point. And so if we learn how to care for each other now, if we learn how to value each other now, if we learn how to love each other in this house, um, I, I, I think we will learn a lot about how God would desire for us uh, to truly care for one another. Wow, wow. So, so, so let, me, let me ask this question. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually in this position right now um, where um, two things. One, I, I saw on social media that someone passed, a, a friend of, a former member of mine. And, and I, you know, I don't trust everything I see on social media. So here I am going to call his wife to ask, is it true? Um, how should we approach someone who is grieving? Um, what are some of the things we should say or what are some of the things we should not say? Uh, you know, I, I am a little apprehensive in approaching this because you sure don't want to say something and you trigger something and all of a sudden you, you're in a different situation. What, what, would you, what would you help our viewers in terms of what to do in approaching someone? You, you know, um, wow, when you approach someone, uh, approach first off is significant. Um, when someone is hurting, it's not the time to ask that person, what can I do to help you? Mm. Um, that person does not, they're going through a lot. Um, they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. If I even looked at it from a, uh, a situation uh, where, where someone has to um, go through the process of, of losing a loved one in terms of the, 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 the tangible things that they must do. They've got to find the death certificate. They've got to look up the life insurance policy. They've got to find the memorial service. Um, they've got to uh, arrange things with the pastor. They've got to uh, look after the children. They've got to, um, to make sure that, um, uh, that the estate is in order. Um, they, there's so many things, and I could keep going, there's so many things from the first week to the second week to the third week to the mm -hmm. month and beyond mm -hmm. that that person must do. So we don't want to approach someone and say, what can I do for you? One of the good things that we can do is to provide instrumental support. Um, mm -hmm. We can provide tangible support, um, meaning that I, 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 I'm approaching the person. I know that there's a lot that's on your table. Let me do this. Let me cut your lawn. Let me, let me do this. Let me bring food for you. Let me do this. Let me pick up your children and take them to church. It's instrumental support. It's tangible. It's, it's, it's not that I'm asking for solutions from the person who's grieving. I'm coming into the situation and I'm offering tangible healing. I'm, at, I'm offering tangible support. I'm taking the burden off of the mind of the person who's grieving. And I'm saying, hey, let me help you out. Wow. When I do Love that, it. when I do that now, I'm letting that person know I'm walking with you. I'm mm. here with you. Um, and, and one of the most beautiful things that you can do now is to create a communities of this, of instrumental. Come on, preacher. Um, Come on, preacher. <laughs> just, just the other day, just the other day, one of our dear friends, and you don't even have to be in the same city. Um, mm. one, of my, one of my dear Come friends um, lost her mother. And my sister sent a text on WhatsApp to people all around the world. Can you sponsor a meal for this family? So they don't have to worry about cooking. They don't have to worry about washing the dishes. They don't have to worry about doing all of that. They just can love themselves. 
just go through their grieving process and know they're loved by everybody. And everybody came together, donated, so that a meal could just show up at their door. Can and, and, and when you can do that instrumental support, it can let everyone know this is deeper than I'm gonna pray for you. This is deeper than <laughs> I'm thinking about you. This is deeper than um, well, that was God's plan um, anyway, which we mm. should never say. Um, this is deeper than uh, well, well, um, you have another child, or or uh, now you can go find that husband that you really wanted. This, this, listen, all them Mercy. things you should never say. Instrumental support can change the day. And, and it lets that person know that their community really, truly loves them. And they don't have to, they don't have to come up with all the answers for how they should That's be right. loved and cared for. Powerful. Dr. Man. Dana. The brother, the, brother said it, the brother said it really truly and, and that's and that's the thing that i was thinking about too as well but stop asking and doing and i think that's the bottom uh. line <laughs> you know do do you know what it takes on a day-to-day -day basis um to just support a family right so just stop asking and by the way another question not to ask is how are you feeling they don't know they don't know we talked about mm. the emotions up and down don't ask how they're doing. They're not doing great, okay, obviously. Or, by the way, I want to add this piece. Remember, we talked about grief in the very beginning as encompassing a whole lot of various components. A person yes. might be going through divorce and need the very same things. Wow. A person might be losing their job and need the very same thing. Why? Because Come they're on. grieving. Make so, again, real. grief does go deeper than just death. But when mm -hmm. it does involve death, sometimes we get it better. You know, we understand it a little better because the person is gone. But grieving is grieving. And that's D why- Dr. Dana? I tell you, I tell you. Listen, Dr. Dana, you, <laughs> ahead, Dr. Dana, you just, made a, you just made a point right there. Listen, when, when somebody loses their job, don't right. just say, I'm gonna pray for you. What? I'm gonna pray for you. Listen, we're not just talking about a, a $25 bill or $50, you know that person probably needs thousands. And 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 some of the best ways that that can that that, that person can be ministered to. And and the good thing is we have we have technology now. We have the sophistication of the internet. We have GoFundMe's. Um, Come on. When when a loved person dies, somebody needs to get on the internet, create the account, and just start shooting that thing out to everybody. So we can yeah. say, listen, let's get people the help that they need. When somebody loses a job, we can't just be praying. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying. Listen, prayer changes things. I believe it. But prayer yes. is going to lead you to find a solution to help that person in the midst of their problem. And I was going to say, how about when the conference moves you from your district to another district? That pastor's oh. grieving, man. <laughs> Come on, preacher. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh Jesus! Hey, hey, oh, hey listen, Jesus. listen, hey, listen, listen! And you get the call I, Saturday night that Sunday your name oh, is going oh, to the committee, oh. and your wife has a job, and she's trying to get Teddy. I don't let me start stop preaching. Listen, listen, listen! Oh, right man. now, you got so oh mercy, mercy. We have mercy. some we have some viewers right now who are going through that because their conference just moved 80, 82 workers, eighty two pastors. Ooh. So right now there's a conference that needs members who are able to, to, to help with pastors who are maybe in some form of grief.
Castaway. That's, I that's, don't know who that conference is. I don't know, and I don't want to know. I, I'm not, you know, I'm usually connected, but for the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of busy. But I would say that conference probably needs to take, you know, one of these classes to understand this grief. We don't want to cause grief, unnecessary grief, right? So maybe, maybe our church needs to know. Let's not let's not cause unnecessary before, before grief, it becomes complicated just, grief. And it starts <laughs> spilling over into the pews. We we don't want that. We don't want right. that. We don't that want mercy. that. Overwhelm the system. The brain oh, don't man. know what to do with all of that. But yeah, the, the idea is we can't. We need to stop skipping around a situation. By the way, if a person is grieving too, there's no need not to talk about the person that died. You know, sometimes we think that well, we can't talk about you know Carl. Like, let's not talk about your grandmother anymore. No, 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 no. If if Carl had a, a relationship with his grandmother. More likely than not, he wants to talk about his grandmother. Create opportunity for the person to to talk about that loved one. You know, they they actually want to talk about it, right? Again, be good listeners. Be ready if they bring that up, of course. But you know, there there are things that we don't need to feel that we can't do. There's a lot we can do. That's in essence the medical missionary work where we can yeah. go and, and provide a little bit of touch and healing and words and action to support the, the individual that's grieving. So all of those things that we can do, you know, let's not overlook them thinking that, you know, the only thing that we can do is just call the person and say, how are you doing? You know, Dr. Wow. Dana, it, it's, that's key because I, I, have the, I have the privilege of serving with uh, three, three great chaplains who uh, lead our grief support, grief, grief recovery. Um, and, and just a whole great team of chaplains. Uh, they came up with the idea of the concept of just having an annual remembrance service. Um, I think it's important to remember the names. Um, and, and, and like you just said, we don't want to just not talk about it. We, you honor life. You honor the, 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 the memories, um, of those who are still living and those who they have lost when you talk and speak their name. Um, and so we had a remembrance service. And when you have the remembrance service and literally on the screen, you scroll their names um, and you and every time someone's name is called, um, you know, we had uh, candles where they could just lift their candle in memory of their loved one that they've lost. Um, there are there are many uh, uh, parents, um, those who have children who have lost children and they still remember the names the names that they had for that child, um, the name that they were going to give to that to that baby that didn't make it into this world. We should remember the names. And I know it's challenging sometimes for, for all of us who may not have gone through the situation to remember the names, but we can remember what happened. And I think um, we can always come back and put our arms around our loved ones um, for the loss that they have experienced. Um, never think that just because someone has um, uh, life in 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 their presence, whether it be a child or they may still have a parent, that their loss is not significant. They may have lost a child or a parent. Um, we should always remember. Absolutely. Wow. This is, wow. This, this, is a, this is you know, I know our time is running out now, um, Dr. Wade. <laughs> I, you know, I, I really, really appreciate our, our two scholars here kind of dealing with this whole thing called grief, right? That um, dealing with the concept of grief and people enter into different places and there may be some places that are not in this neat, you know, chart that we have, but yet our ability to give care 
and to walk with them and to um, initiate things that might be able to um, help as they go through this process, I think it's, it's, it's all powerful. Um, Dr. Wade, maybe we may have time for one more question. I, well, I'm not too sure. I, I think it's running. I, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that um, I think we have shared this question is that the very things you just shared about individual um, grief uh, support are some of the things an organization can do, a church can do. Um, yeah. Is there anything else in, in addition to what you shared that if I'm in a church, how can I set up a grief ministry um, at my local church? What are some, maybe there is a key thing that maybe we're missing um, based on what you've shared already. We, we've caught up with being uh, doing instrumental, I forgot what the second word was, but the instrumental uh, support uh, is key. Um, listening, uh, talking about the person, um, acknowledging, allowing them. Is there anything else we can do as an organization to, to set up a grief ministry in our local churches? You know, one of the things to keep in mind as well, I think it's very important for us to say is uh, the understanding that one have of death is also important. I know we baptize a lot of people and sometimes they don't have the right understanding of what happens when a person dies. Um, that can create so much heartache, a heartache and, and you know, and, and depression and anxiety, so even fear, because they might see the person that's dead, you know, as a ghost or something. They don't have the right understanding. So make sure that we all, all of us have the right understanding. And another thing to keep in mind too, a lot of reasons why people go to the gravesite is because they don't have people to talk to about what's going on in their mind, right? We talk about dead people all the time in the church. We talk about Moses, well, not Moses, but you know, Daniel. <laughs> Now he dead. Moses is dead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Moses is dead. Yeah, we talk about <laughs> a lot, but yet, as human beings, as we are experiencing that, we somehow feel that we can't talk about that individual anymore. So people are hurting, and it's real hurt. Let's create an avenue for them to mm. actually see how that person meant something to their their lives. Um, and I'm just gonna throw it out there because I hope you guys don't mind. A lot of rich people, right? What they do is they build foundations, right? They build monuments of that loved one, right? They understand okay. that keeping that person's, uh, you know, memoir somehow tangible or even, you know, the life story being shared in some kind of foundation brings about healing. So when we have a loved one that, that meant so much to us, we got to get to that point where we can either see, pulled out lessons from that individual's life, pulled out lessons so that we can too mimic or learn and imply in our life. If they were doing good in that church, find people that can understand how that person was able to carry out the task that now we are missing in the church. So we talk about the person, we create avenues so that that person's memoir lives on and that we can continue to learn. That's why we talk about Martin Luther King. That's why we talk about Rosa Parks. There are reasons why, but this, th yes, these individuals make big impact on, on a lot of people's minds, but my yes. mother or this person, 
person or that person or, you know, that aunt, that uncle, that grandma that you have, all these people actually mean something to somebody somewhere, somehow too. So keep that in mind as you're trying to create, a, you know, whatever it may be, a, a, a ministry in your church or a, a foundation in your church or, you know, a class in your church or, you know, even, even when you're building a, a, a church or something, you know, find, figure out what can we pull from that person's life? Because that's meaningful. Um, and of course, providing them with the hope that they need, uh, because the hope is, of course, in Jesus Christ. You know, doc, Dr. Dana, what you said was so profound. I I, I hope people really heard that. Uh, I think that needs to be echoed again. Um, we have we have so many matriarchs, patriarchs, um, so many uh, leaders uh, from our communities, um, and we should find the opportunity to create um, outlets where those names can be remembered, um, the honor um, uh, that they have blessed, you know, of their life uh, can be remembered. Uh, I, I, I appreciate what you just said right there, because many times in our communities, our names are not the ones that, that are put up on the walls. Um, we, we don't have the, the wealth that gets our names put up on, on these wonderful edifices. And um, we should use every opportunity uh, to celebrate, remember, recall, um, cherish the lives that have that have been lived. Um, so I agree with you on that. It needs to be echoed from the mountaintops. Um, uh, one, one, one tangible way, um, in addition to that tangible form um, of creating foundations and, and honoring the names of our loved ones, um, is to, to start uh, ministries in your church, such as a grief share ministry, um, recognizing that uh, this has been uh, probably in our lifetime, the most abnormal two years um, that mm. we have gone through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it needs, in these times of abnormality, um, people need to know that it's okay to share what they have gone through. So a grief share ministry uh, can be created at your church. Um, there are many churches that create a grief share ministry. The church that I attend right now, um, Kansas Avenue SDA, has a, a thriving grief share ministry. Um, there are many hospitals that um, if, if they have um, spiritual care departments, they will also have uh, uh, grief ministries. And so um, even at our hospital in Loma Linda, um, we have, again, three excellent leaders of our grief recovery program uh, who are willing uh, to have anyone join the program from around the world. And, um, and we just want people to know it's okay to share your grief story in community. Um, it's better to be community than to be isolated when you're grieving. Um, we, we've made the point, um, and as one scholar put it, grief is messy. Um, it's an ugly process. Um, as Dr. Dana pointed out, it is literally like carrying your cross um, while you are living. Um, and, and when Jesus carried the cross, it was not pretty. Um, it is a brutal process. And um, the worst thing is for somebody to have to go through that process alone. So you can create ministries in your church where people can do this together. Um, and when you do it together, it gives you strength to face another day. It gives you strength um, to, to face uh, uh, another opportunity. It gives you courage to say, you know, this is not me. I'm not defined by the, by the, the pain of my grief. God wants to take me through the pain of my grief um, so that I can, I, I can flourish. I'll leave on this scripture. Um, you know, um, uh, Job, um, while he was going through his stuff, powerful mm -hmm. text in, in, in chapter 14, um, 
he says, uh, will a man, uh, if a man dies, will he live again? Uh, powerful uh, question. But the question was, was actually, um, uh, uh, it, it, it came forward because Job actually saw a dead tree. <laughs> he saw a dead tree, a tree that had been cut. The tree was cut down. And when Job saw the tree that was cut, he was like, wow, um, th th this tree is dead. But the cut can symbolize the hurts in life. It can symbolize the pain in life. It can symbolize the, the bruising that we go through in life. But Job sees this tree cut and smells water, water that comes and touches the tree. When the water touched the tree, the tree comes back to life. It begins to sprout in the Hebrew Khalifa. So the tree begins to sprout. And as the tree sprouts, Job says, wow, that tree that was once dead has now come back to life. So he says, man, if God could do that for the tree, could he do that for me? <laughs> and, and when he sees that, he then asks the question, if a man dies, can he live again? And so he asked the very first question of resurrection. And so we have this hope of resurrection. And knowing that we have this hope in church, we have this hope of the gospel, it's not good for us to leave our people isolated in community, mm. I mean, without community. We need to come together and remind them of the hope. What God did for the tree, he can do for me. God can bring back life. He can bring back life even right now. He can cause me to be happy again. He can cause me to smile again. He yes. can cause me to have joy again. He can give me a new wife, a new husband. He can, he can, he can allow Come me on. to restore all the relationships that have been broken. But we've got, to, we've got to put our arms around each other, love each mm -hmm. other, embrace mm -hmm. each other, and see each other through these times. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen, our time has gone, has has totally gone at this point. We're on borrowed time. We want to take this opportunity to thank you, Dr. Dana, uh, Dr. Yes. Ricketts. We're going to speak it into existence. We just want to thank you for sharing with us uh, on grief, ministering, how we can help heal our hearts and our minds during this time. And uh, we appreciate you sharing. We will put your information on our, on our show notes, on our website at the uh, prt.live. And so that our viewers can go there and maybe connect with you, ask more questions. We thank our viewers for being with us today. Yes. Right, Dr. Henry? Oh, listen, we thank our viewers. We thank you so much for your comments. And just remember, you know, your comments mean something. It really means something here on the round table because we're able to dialogue with you as we talk about these relevant issues.